0: hey everyone welcome to bridge stories this is our new podcast giving people space and time to tell their stories of encountering god and being changed by him we hope you're encouraged by these stories and also that you leave excited that you know a lot of really awesome people a little bit better so sit back and enjoy pablo good to have you here thank you for having me how's it going
1: good day praise the lord you know yeah we're another, another day in par- another day in paradise you know waiting for glory that's it
0: Amen to that it's been uh windy as heck though you feeling the dry skin going on
1: no the nasals
0: oh yeah yeah and
1: unfortunately and, and i live at the end of the cul-de-sac so all of those leaves wind up in in my driveway which eventually wind up in my garage so i'm um, the, the crazy guy out there with the, with the blower just blowing it back out in the street and
0: it just ends up in your ba- in your garage. Yeah. Such a bummer. If you lived at my house, my my 3-year-old would be psyched about that cuz he's like looking for an excuse to use the blower every chance right. he gets. He loves that. Don't don't tell him. I hope he doesn't watch this. He got a a backpack blower for uh, for Christmas. It's still in the box in my closet, so oh, he doesn't know it. Yeah. Well, uh hey, I'm excited to talk to you. Great. Um, I think I've I've kind of known you on and off for 5-6 years now and I I know bits and pieces about your story, but I'm excited to kind of give you an an opportunity to share more about your story, and I'm really excited for people. I, I hope uh, online to really get an idea of who you are and what you're all about. So, I don't know. Maybe kick us off with uh, your your childhood a bit. Where'd you grow up? What what can you remember? What were you into? I know you're into motorcycles now, but what were you like as a as a as a kid?
1: Well, how far back do you want to go?
0: I want to go back to the day of. Cons- Actually, I shouldn't say that online. <laughs> uh, I, just just paint a picture for you us. Know, it,
1: it's it, it's it's funny to think so. Here we are at you know, Cambridge in the 22. San Joseph's is right down the street. That's where I was born in 1960. Wow. Yeah, I used to say I'll, I'll probably die in San Joseph's, but I quit saying that.
0: Why? Is that <laughs> freaking people out?
1: Yeah, No, because I don't want to you know, speak it into, into life. That's why.
0: Oh. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so, so where you were born in the city of Orange? Or in around the city
1: here? of Orange, yeah, San Joseph's
0: Hospital. And you, you grew up your whole yeah, life right here? So
1: grew up in you know, the first... I think five years we were in Placentia. In okay. 1965, we moved to Brea. Folks bought a house in, in Brea. And so I, I grew up in Brea. Actually, I just retired from the city of Brea a year and four months ago yeah. after 35 years of working for the city of Brea. What
0: was Brea, what was the surrounding area out there kind of like in 1960s? As a, as a kid, it was awesome
1: because you would, you could drive probably six blocks and you beyond open fields open wheat fields wheat wheat fields yeah I have an idea. Yeah. and so back in the day when orange county had orange groves there was orange groves lemon groves in in brea and so basically brea is you know tar in spanish and so the foothills in you know in summer, in brea is known for oil and so they've been harvesting oil for for years and actually I had a friend of mine now, jack alger who grew up in brea as a kid Back in the thirties, forties, and his father used to walk the oil lines, checking for lakes. Wow! So you know, so Jack grew up in, in uh, Jack is funny guy. He, he was an old, you know, biker back then in that era, of you know, flatheads and you know. Uh, knuckleheads, and you know, there's pictures of Jack with his little leather helmet on his bike. And you know, when he married Cat, uh, his wife, they had no car. That was their mode of transportation.
0: This crack up. You look back, like, what were people thinking a leather hat was going to do if you crashed a motorcycle?
1: Well, I don't think they were thinking. <laughs> 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 but but yeah, so it, it's kind of funny to look back at what Brea used to be and what it is now. Yeah. It, it was a a fun place to grow up. You know, you, you could you know, go out of town, and there was a, over on Valencia, there were some hills that people would take their motorcycles to go out there and ride. Yeah. And that was my, you know, kind of what kind of got me excited about, about bikes.
0: So you, so from an early age, you were exposed to motorcycles. Oh, oh yeah. Who was, who was exposing you? Was it your dad? Was it a brother? Uh, you know, dad. Yeah. So he was already into it.
1: Yeah. He, he kind of, yeah, not really into it. We, you know, we got a bike when I was, you know, probably a, a teenager. Yeah, and that was a start, and and you know it really started back. It's funny to think about that. I was, we were coming down the ninety no fifty seven freeway just before the ninety one, and I was with an uncle. We were headed to to San Ana, and so my uncle, it, it, you know, that's a whole other story. A U.S. citizen, but lived in Tijuana, and so he would you know, buy used cars and take them down and sell them for for scrap, you know, for junkyards. And so I was just he came up, and so I was riding with him. And uh, we're heading down 57 Freeway in 91 Transition, and I hear this roar, and it's a pack of motorcycles. And, and so back then, freeways weren't what they are today as far as just the way they're made. And, and so anyway, so this pack takes off the of 91 headed west, and the scraggler that was kind of trying to catch up starts to go south on the 57 Freeway. And his girlfriend just taps him on the shoulder and points. He takes that bike. And right over in the embankment, because he, back then the embankment didn't have curbs and it was just a dirt embankment, took the bike blah, 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 and made it. <laughs> and I go, someday, someday I want to do that. <laughs> how,
0: old, how old were you? <laughs> ten. <laughs> you were ten. You already kind of had this oh, idea. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was just such a deep passion of yours right, right from the beginning. Yeah, right from the beginning. So, so when I think about you, I think of a few things. But one of them is definitely motorcycles. The other is you love Jesus. So that's your first exposure to motorcycles. Right. What's your earliest memory of Jesus?
1: Jesus, uh, Mr. George Bortright. So I lived in Brea, corner of Birch and Flower. We were on Flower. Right next to us, there was a house. And then next to that that house corner was a church, a Baptist church. Mr. Bortright was a pastor there when i was a kid and i didn't you know figure this out till later and and so so i remember as a kid with you know you know neighbor kids going to you know summers you know summer summer camp and and that was kind of you know you hear the gospel but at the same time i was brought up in a catholic church okay so dragged to church every you know every sunday and that was part of life so there there's always been a reverence for things of the lord in my life Okay. And, you know, I say when you grow up Catholic, hey, you, you know, you do your thing. Come Saturday, you go to confession. Come Sunday, you go, go to church, and you've done your—you've done check the box for the week. Yeah. Yeah. You know? and, okay. and so, you okay. know, so that was kind of life. And so, so and Mr. Bort right there had, had a church area, you know, when I was a kid, and they were doing construction, and me and the neighborhood kids go over and, you know, cause havoc. And, and so that came to light, you know, 1991 when— uh we're at Mr. Bortright's church up in Ventura now, and, and I'm with you know the Club Soldiers for Jesus, and so they were doing an outreach, so I you know we ran up there, and, and so Mr. Bortright says, "Hey, so where are you from, from, Pablo?" He's from Arkansas, and I said, "I grew up in Brazil." Really? He says, "Where?" I said. That flower and Birch. He says, "You were that little Mexican breaking my windows, weren't you?
0: <laughs> were you? Yeah,
1: <laughs> you were breaking his windows. Well, me and the neighborhood kids, just being stinking kids, you know, being punks, man, being punks. Yeah, you know, broke broke a couple of windows. And
0: sounds and like good. Brea was a pretty hard place to grow up, yeah. breaking windows <laughs> of the church, right? man.
1: <laughs> and so it's kind of funny. You go back to well, your sin will find you out eventually, and there it is, you know,
0: from the Arkansas redneck preacher. Right. Thirty yeah. years later. Yeah. That's that's incredible. That's that's interesting to me that um, so I didn't know that you grew up Catholic, but I, I like how you said that that, you know, even though it was kind of a checkboxy thing you grew up with kind of a reverence for there's yes. something here that demands right. respect. Right. Yeah, that's, that's Even
1: you know when I got older, you'll be you know gosh, you know now I'm in my in my 20s and I'd go to church. I'd get up on my own, go to church, take that, off. That
0: the, was still Catholic church? Yes. Okay. You know,
1: take off the box. You know, but I tell people it's like I wasn't even out of the church parking lot. I'm, you know, I had a Ram charger; it's like a blazer, so there's no there's a, an open space for the back seat. So I'm, I'm reaching in the back for the ice chest from the night before. Yeah, you know, to grab a cold beer, the, with the, the Miller in a bottle, the, the Champion of beers from the night before.
0: As you said that, I'm remembering those commercials. They were they weren't even like shy about. We're just advertising to right. people who want really bad beer. I assume I don't I don't really know. Well, I thought Miller was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were also in your twenties, <laughs> right?
1: And so, and I tell people, then, so now I'm on the church parking lot. I'm driving down the street, and now I'm I'm steering the car or my my Ram Charger with my knee because now I'm rolling a joint. Okay, because that was just life.
0: So this is your early twenties. Yes,
1: or you know, nineteen twenty.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you you had said before we went live and we started recording, you were you were talking about a, a moment you can remember, I, I think your words were you were kind of sitting in a parked car in a park. Yeah. And just it, trying to think like, what do I want with my life?
1: Yeah. So I've always tried to exercise. I had a bicycle. I'd ride down to, to Craig Park and, you know, Imperial Highway and State college here, and just go ride the park and just get some exercise. And, and I, I would stop sometimes and, and you can watch the 57 freeway just go by. Yeah. And whether I was sitting there, you know, you know, getting stone, I'd be real, you know, getting stone, yeah. watching, you know, cars go by, and just contemplating life. Yeah, you know, here I am at twenty, you know, nineteen, twenty-year-old man. You know, where's my life
0: going? What,
1: what am I doing?
0: At, at this point, are you heavily invested in in kind of motorcycles and the culture around that, or no, not you quite
1: yet? No, actually, at that point, kind of gave it up for a while. Okay, and, and so just yeah, just trying to contemplate life. It's like. Basically, I was working construction. I was working for a paving company, and and making good money. But it's like, you know, I remember my father telling me, "Hey, buy a house. You you can buy a house." And this is back, you know, in the you know late '80s, where America was an industrial nation and we were doing good as a as a country. Yeah. And so, but me and my my stupidness, it was all about the party. Yeah. You know, and so making you know good money for for a, a young man, but going out just you know partying, it just. Yeah you know, having fun. and so, But I would contemplate life. Where's my life? Where am I going to be? Yeah. You know, down the road.
0: I think that's, uh, you know, it seems like it's a moment that a lot of young people come to. It's, you know, I've, I'm invested in, I don't know, sounds like for you a kind of a party atmosphere, party culture. You're doing it. You probably have some friends doing it with you. But kind of like, in the background there's voices or something of where does this actually go? I think a lot of people know full well this doesn't lead anywhere necessarily wholesome or good, but these are my friends, this is what I do. Yeah, so that was
1: just kind of your know, life. You kinda of grew up, you know, in that lifestyle, you know, of the seventies. It was all about the party and you kinda of continue on, but still you realize that you know, I'm growing up, there's gotta be some some changes here. Yeah. Not really, you know, knowing how to go about or just really even, you know, what it even looks like.
0: Yeah. So, so you're, you're in that. It it doesn't sound like you necessarily felt like you were stuck in it. You just more or less had, I don't know, nothing better to do or you weren't really sure where to go, but clearly you didn't stay there. So to talk a little bit about what, what kind of transpired to the point where you're no longer party and how'd you. Right.
1: So it's kind of funny. So had a cousin who was married to, to Fred. And so Fred He's he's ten years older than me. And so Fred was a Vietnam vet. So Fred, you know, he's off in Vietnam, he'd come home and you know, we'd kinda of hang out and party together. Okay. And so Fred was, you know, kinda of like almost like that the big brother. And so after he got out of Vietnam he started uh, driving truck for a company and he was going out of state driving. And on one of those trips he comes back and so family family, you know, would always do a Sunday a Sunday dinner. And so those, you know, to me, those were always fun. <laughs> and I think I just, as I said, I had to think back and sometimes I had another cousin of mine that we would get together and he lived with us. He grew up with us and he's probably uh, six, seven years older than me. And he'd come over and we'd be doing family, we're going to have a family dinner and we'd go, oh, we'll be right back. Oh yeah. And we'd take off and go do stupid and it'd be hours and we'd miss family dinner.
0: Oh just, my gosh.
1: Just, you know, just silly. But anyways, so Fred comes, you know, he starts coming back now now he's preaching the gospel. He's sharing Jesus
0: with. So he us. disappears as a truck driver. He disappears on some loads, and then all of a sudden he comes yes, back, and he's yes. got Jesus. He's got
1: Jesus. Okay. And so now Fred is, is is you know telling us about Jesus, and it's like okay, I yeah, know Jesus, you know who Jesus, but don't talk about serving Jesus, about giving your life to Jesus, and going okay. So you know after after a few you know Sunday dinners, you go, I need to split before Fred gets here because he's going to tell us about Jesus. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so you know. A lot of love and respect I'd, I'd listen yeah and so you know life goes on and, and Fred's still kind of you know in our lives and uh, my father ends up having a massive heart attack and passing away okay you know November th- you know October 3rd you know 1980 and life just turns upside down okay and so here I am a 21 year old And so now, you know, helping, helping take care of mom. I got three sisters that are all younger than me and uh, my youngest sister being, being nine.
0: And how, so you were 21, she was nine. I was was 21, my youngest sister being nine. And
1: and so, yeah, a little, you know, angry, a little distraught and kind of, you know, and people say, oh man, he was so young. He died at the age of 42. Wow and so you, you you know at that point it's like you don't think 42 is young you're 21 you don't think you know i didn't think 42 is yeah and so that just you know kind of it fueled my partying let's say and so one night i'm here in the city of orange with some cousins and you know i end up getting you know getting wasted so i'm driving home down 57 freeway headed back to brea you know nutwood off-ramp i get pulled over boom i'm going to jail you know, and as I'm sitting in the back at the police car, going, "Gosh, this is going to ruin my mom. This is going to, you know, devastate her." Yeah. And, and so, and so I'm just, you know, contemplating Jesus. And it's like, you know, it's funny because the power of, of words, I, you know, the, the power of words. I really, you know, believe that, you know, there is power in words. And so I go, "Okay, Lord, tell you what, let's make a deal. If you keep my mom from finding out." <sighs> I'll serve you. Simple. Yeah. Not knowing what I was saying. So, you know, I wound up, you know, getting hauled off to jail. Fortunately, the girl that I was dating uh, had a girlfriend whose fiance worked at the at the jail. So I call her and go, "Hey, tell my mom I'm crashed out on your couch or something." And you know, and this is where I'm at. And so, so her girlfriend manages to talk to her fiance we might end up getting kicked out at midnight so i call another cousin hey pick me up you know and this is what happened i get home so a day or two later i call fred go hey i think i need to be baptized or something <laughs> or something yeah. and so he comes over and, and i begin to, to to share with him you know what happened and he says well let's pray let, let me lead you in the sinner's prayer
0: yeah
1: so he does and then you know so we you know we pray and he says, hey, you know, your relationship with your, with your girlfriend when you're, you guys are living together off and on and so on and so forth. He says, you need to, you need to pray whether that's the girl you're going to marry or not. Hmm. And so I did. And, you know, we broke up. But it, it wasn't, you know, so I gave my heart to the Lord at that point. Girlfriend had a co-worker, Bob's big boy, your Oh, yeah. And so her father was a pastor at Evangelical Free Church of Yorba Linda. And I, I can't remember his, his name off the top of my head. And so there was a church. It's a Christian church. I started going.
0: In in your mind uh, from, from growing up Catholic, was there, in your mind at that time, was there any differences in churches or was it just like, there's a church, I'm going to go to it?
1: The realization that it's a relationship. Okay. The realization that I've made a commitment that I'm going to serve God and and I made a commitment. Yeah the realization that there is somebody bigger than me. It, it's not about, you know, the, the genie in, in the bottle where, you know, life starts to go sideways and you pray. Yeah. You know, because that's who God was to me before then. Yeah. You know, now it's about, you know, a, a church that's, it's, it's teaching you not so much, you know, you go sit for an hour and, and hear a message and you kind of glean a little bit, but you really don't apply it to life. Yeah. And so, so I, I started off at this church, and so I was there for, gosh, you know, a few months, and just you know, going to church, never really plugging in. And so I end up, I end up backsliding. Okay. You know, I end, I end up backsliding, and and uh, you just know, just going back to the party life. Yeah, going back to the party life. You know, wiping out the side of my girlfriend's car. And, you know, we were still kind of, you know, oh, even even, even though, yeah. And, and so I remember after that, I thought, Nah, it's either it's going to be all or nothing. Hmm. And I remember going back to the church, walking in and, and talking to a a youth pastor. And I said, hey, here's the deal. You know, I was here. You know, this, you know, this is what happened. And it's funny, the, and, and the struggle that goes on within your life, within your own you know, your own mind, your own heart. And it's like even before I you know, gave my heart to the Lord, it's like there was a struggle going on within me. Same thing when I went back to talk to that youth pastor or back to the church. I knew that as soon as I walked into the church, Everybody was gonna turn around and look at me and go, There's that backslidden individual. Mm. Just in my own my own, you know, stinking thinking. Yeah. And so as I as I visited with him, he says, let hey, me tell you what, he said, There's a college career group I'm gonna introduce you to. And so he took me upstairs and college career group, probably fifteen, maybe twenty young people. Yeah. You know you know, guys and girls, you know, age 18 to you know 25, and it's funny. So I remember sitting in this Bible study and looking around, and it's like, you know, here you got this guy, he's kind of you know cocky, you know, Tim Smythe, and going, what a you know what a clown. This so other guy over here, Vinton Thingval, you know, a, a CPA, 20 something CPA, glasses, pocket protector, and the pins, and you know shirt, and tie, and thinking, wow, what am I getting involved with? But <laughs> and the funny part, <laughs> those two guys became my buddies, yeah, and and we we did life together in that in that time that I was part of this church, yeah, and so then I realized you could have fun being a Christian, you're not drinking, you're not getting high, you're not hurting anybody, and you were having a blast, yeah, and it, it began to change my heart, hmm. And, and who I was and how I, how I viewed people. And uh, it was just, you know, some formative years. At the same time, I, I, as I look back, uh, so here I'm a 21-year-old man. Uh, my father's passed away. I have no real role models in my life. Hmm. And so and I, I didn't, uh, this didn't really come to memory until about five years ago. In that church, there was a, a, a big black man Foreign yeah, yeah Forgive me if I'm off the weight. Joe Daniels, an internal medicine doctor. So say, hey, Pablo, come to my house. He discipled me. There was a man by the name of Ron Rel, full lieutenant police department. He's a lieutenant there. Pablo, let's get together. They discipled me, hmm. and, and those were my role models. Yeah. And in that, you know, there were some men. There was a, you know, some other men that, that you know that, that kind of discipled me, but not to the extent that these two did. And and that just began to form my life and who I was in Christ. Yeah. You know, at the same time, just, uh, back then working construction, it was feast or famine. Come winters, you know, back when it used to rain. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) you know, I wasn't working. And so just realizing, okay, I need to do something different. And so as as a kid, I'd worked for the city of Brea in a CETA program. And so, uh,
0: you know what's the
1: CETA program basically it's like you know for youth yeah you know, they called it CETA. and basically you know so you know is it, a high school kid you know work for the city doing all the all the junk jobs that the guys okay. don't want to do they <laughs> you basically know, you're being abused that's <laughs> I, your
0: internship for yeah, experience exactly. yeah
1: and so i did that for like three years three summers in a row yeah and you get to know people so so uh at that point i'm going yeah you know what i start praying hey, lord i need another job something that's a little more consistent little you know and so i you know looking through the paper back then there's a street super operator job for the city of brown great you know i had my class a license i was you know driving trucks hauling equipment and so so i went in, applied, and applied and it's kind of funny because i remember uh as i'm leaving city hall i run into uh pat mccarran and, and uh Bill Higgins. So Pat was the director, Bill was the assistant director, and I know these guys because I you know I knew them when I was you know when I was a kid working. And so uh, you know weeks go by whatever, I get a call, I go down, I interview, I get the job. Hey, praise the Lord. It's it's you know miles from the house. So, you know, I forget how many years into it Vern Vosberg was my supervisor. Well, I'd worked for Vern as a kid. And so i got out and played softball as a kid and just, you know, anyways. A- and so so Vern has a a department barbecue at his house. You know, so there's like, you know, 12, 15 of us at his house and, and barbecue. So afterwards, everybody kind of leaves and I hang out because I, yeah, I get a relationship with Vern. And we're just talking, hanging out. And he says, you know, I never told you this. I said, what's that, Vern? He said, when, when you applied for the job, there was a stack of applications for me to, to look at, a stack me not to look at, he said. Your application was on the very top of the stack that I wasn't supposed to look at. He said, but I saw the name and I recognized it and I grabbed it. He said, you know, in a sense, you weren't supposed to have this job. Yeah. That was because I had a DUI.
0: Okay. And oh, yeah, driving a street super, yeah. Yeah,
1: it's yeah. so at that point. You know, it just, Fern, God used you to give me this job.
0: Yeah, you know. So did, was he was he aware that you were. Actively being transformed. You are not DUI Pablo at this point.
1: Oh no, no. Yeah. He, he yeah, he was aware because I was pretty open with my with my walk with the Lord. I I always have been. Yeah. I've always been pretty out, out outspoken. And so at that point it it really gave me the opportunity to to share with Vernon. He says, you know, yeah, my son in law, you know, he's, you know, sharing share no his stepson. Okay. Sharing the gospel. And it just you know. So it gave opportunity just to continue to, you know, to to uh, to water that seed that had been planted in Vern, yeah, and so, but just looking back at, at, at areas that where God has intervened in my life, it, you know, you kind of go, wow,
0: and just c- continue yeah. to connect all these dots that even exactly. in the moment you you don't realize yeah. that God's up to something, and then it's like
1: you know, I look forward now, it's like here I am, thirty five, actually thirty six, you know, thirty thirty, you know, six years later, I'm retired from the city of I did thirty six years, you know, in the same position, and they've been trying to get away, you're know, trying to do away with. With that position and, and contract it out, but you know God has kept me there, and yeah. you know kept me there, and I was able to retire.
0: Probably only a matter of time before they uh, they got a computer right. robot that does it, huh? Right. Yeah.
1: Now they're trying to actually. They, they've kind of figured out that it's not cost efficient to take it out the contract
0: and got it. Okay, so you're you're 21 years old. You've basically at the time you get a job, you probably don't know it in the moment, but that's going to be your job until you retire right. from it. And so you're you're kind of settling in now. You got like this big checkbox. Now you have you know a, a career. Uh, you're learning about Jesus. You're learning about the Bible with uh, Mister Pocket Square CPA. Right. What kind of what kind of is happening from there? It was,
1: yeah, that was Vinton Thingville. Vinton, he, who comes from a long line of pastors. Okay. Except for one brother that wasn't a pastor, and and so he's now somewhere in Illinois, pastor in a church.
0: No uh, way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like you can't get away from it, huh? right it's like genetic at that point it's in your dna
1: so you back to so here so here i am now plugged into a church now growing in the lord and somebody you know at the church says hey you we we go into the jails and and do ministry okay we would like for you to come give your testimony testimony well yeah just how you came to the lord just what was life like before you gave heart to the lord okay and so i remember going into the the jails and it didn't tell me it was the, the women's side
0: Oh, <laughs> you're going to the women's jail and, and so yeah I,
1: I went a few times but but here i am a 21 year old kid you know in the, in the shape of my life and wearing a pink shirt you know going in and just just you know sharing my testimony and that developed into a uh, prison ministry with bill glass then it was mike barber and, and so yeah, I did that for for several years where you know, every few months I would fly somewhere in the country to walk into a prison and and go whether it's cell to cell or, you know, engage men and just wow share the gospel.
0: I had no idea. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I knew that you were involved in prison ministry, but I, I didn't know that you were flying to different prisons yeah. to do it.
1: You know, basically you do it on your own dime, and, and God just laid it on my heart and and you know, with some other men within the church and so I you know, I did that for, for several years. I think I've probably been in over nineteen prisons throughout the country. Wow. And and you know, shared the gospel with men and
0: That's incredible. And,
1: and so that was kinda the introduction to just doing ministry. And yeah. you know, going back to you know, God, if you help me through this, I'll serve you.
0: Yeah, I wanted to circle back to that, because you, you said originally, not that, that you would serve God, but you said, I'll serve you if my mom doesn't find right. out. Did your mom find out? No. She never found out? No.
1: She's, Most of my sisters have ratted me out, but I don't think so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, I, I, was expecting, uh, I was expecting the story to go like, um, God, I'll, I'll serve you if you don't tell my mom, and then you start serving God, and the first thing God lays on your heart is to share it with your mom. No. No,
1: <laughs> doesn't lay that in my heart. <laughs> but you know the 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 um, the power of words. And when you know when I was a young man and just you know in my stupidity, people say, "Hey, what are you doing?" Well, yeah. or, or, or "Where are you going?" I'm going to hell unless I change my ways. That was my stupid comment. Hmm. But it was truth. Yeah, I was going to hell unless I changed my ways. Yeah, you know. And that's why at times, you know, you know, words, it's like, you know, careful about what I say or how I say it or, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, you know, they're, you know, they can come to life and, you know, at the same time they, they wound.
0: Yeah. What is it? It's, it's James talks about even the simple little slip of your tongue is like yeah. a, a spark that starts a forest fire. Right. right? Yeah. Wow. So, so you're working in prison ministry, you're growing in the Lord, you've got some mentors where does uh, your passion, your love that you had at ten years old when those guys jumped the divide for so motorcycles? As,
1: as time come goes on, I, I I ran in. Go and throw. Ran into a an, an old girl from high school, and so she was. You know, she was hot then, and and so here it is. You know, ten years later, And it's like so. We had, you know, I, I ran into her, and so we started dating. You know, dating. We get married. You know, married for. Five years. One morning, she wakes up and says, "I don't love you." I go, "I don't think so." What's going on? And so that began me fighting for for my marriage mm. to the point of just uh, just you know you know her not showing up one day and me you know finding her to come home, and then trying to get counseling, trying to do stuff, and and her just trying to you know get away. And be no yeah, you know we're serving the Lord. You know I'm serving the Lord, and God hasn't told me to cut you loose. You know, yeah. Even though you want you want to go no. And so, you know, just some, some heavy stuff, you know, she had a daughter that was five years old when we got married at the end, you know, Candy was 10 and went as far as accusing me of molesting Candy. And that just devastated my world. Hmm. And I remember, uh, you know, getting a call from a, uh, uh, detective, uh, somebody, no, uh, Randy, anyways, city of Brest, same city I worked for. Right. And Randy Smeal. And, and I go, Randy, do I need an attorney? He says, no, you haven't done nothing. I said, he says, come on down. So I get down. I said, you know, Randy, the truth will set me free. Yeah. I know that without a shadow of a doubt. He says, you know, I've talked to your, your daughter, used youth pictures, used youth, youth dolls, and I've had a female. He says, you haven't done nothing. He says, sometimes people are better off just getting divorced and going their, same, their separate ways. They get along better. I said, Randy, God hasn't told me to do that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to do that. So I went and found her. Come home. She came home. Here we go again. You know, two weeks later, now uh, the police are showing up at my door. She didn't come home that that day. Her, you know, police at the door, and, and so I had the dog, and and there's a distinctive bark when they came. People came through the gate, so I go, okay, someone's coming through. Well, there there's a police with their hand, you know, hands on their guns. It's like, okay, open the door slowly. Come out with your hands up, and go, what's up? Well, there's a restrained order against you. You have to leave. I go, okay. So at that point, you know, okay, you win. You know, have it your way, and so end up going through, through a divorce at at that point.
0: How how old were you, Papa? I was.
1: Actually, what was I twenty? Actually,
0: twenty nine. Yeah, wow. I I got to imagine you get you get married at what twenty four years old. Yeah. It it seems like another big checkbox of life, right? Like, okay, I got I got a job, got a steady income. Laying the tracks for the rest of my life. What was that like? Just to go through something that was just breaking, was, even though you were was, trying to hold it apart, just it was just kind of slipping it away. It was
1: devastating in the sense that you are trying to serve the Lord. You are doing you are doing the right thing, but then the realization comes back. You know, to me, it's like you know, looking back. Well, her heart was never committed to serving the Lord, hmm. and that's when when I when I run into young people and, and they have these relationships with non believers, it's like. Yeah, you know, I usually tell girls. You know, are you missionary dating? <laughs> you know, because you're 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 thinking you're being a missionary. You're going to change this young man. You're not going to change him. Yeah. Either he truly is serving and following the Lord, or he's not. Yeah. You know, that's, that's you not. Know, he will for a bit. You know, to to you know to catch you, but down the road, it's like, you know, and so I, I encourage young people. It's like, don't date non believers. If you're a believer, you know the truth. Don't date believers. Yeah. It's always good. it's just gonna you know you know that's not to say that, you know that it, it, it can change, yeah, but you know nine times out of ten
0: you know this is your story, but as you're saying that I'm laughing because i I actually became a Christian more or less because I was chasing a girl, I chased her to youth group, and by the time I found out she wasn't you know really actually following the Lord, I was already swindled into it, right. Never looked back, <laughs> so I cut her loose. But did you ever think her? <laughs> no, I never did. I never did. Move, moved along rather quickly. So this this happens. It's slipping through your fingers. What are? You, where's your kind of mental state at? Are Are you feeling like like the lament hands in the air? God, where are you? What are you doing? You're you feeling like man, this isn't worth it? What's going through your mind? You no,
1: know, I, I kept serving the Lord. Yeah, because I knew I knew the truth. I knew that God was real. And, you know, God had worked in my life. God had changed my heart, my, you know, my way of thinking. Yeah. So he was real. You know, but the really, you know, I guess at that point it's like going, okay, Lord, I don't get it. Yeah. And, then, and then you start seeing, you know, the fruits of the individual that you were, you know, married to. And you man, there is no fruit.
0: Hmm. You know?
1: So it's like, okay, back to serving the Lord. And so in that, I, you know, I, I left the church where I was, where I was attending. And so,
0: what was kind of the thought process behind that?:
1: Probably the embarrassment, the shame, honestly. Mm. you know. And then realizing that, you know you're say it without being, not trying to be rude. You're economically down here, and the church you're attending is up here. So you didn't really quite fit, you know, yeah, you, you, you did fit in, but then, you, you know, your realization, it, it's, it's funny. So here you are at a Christian church, and you got a guy telling you Mexican jokes. You know, you know why you can't refry beans on a, on a grill? Because they fall through the, you know, I'm thinking. And so things like that would blow my mind. <laughs> what,
0: what year is this? I mean, I, I know that that kind of stuff is, like, totally yeah, taboo is, now, but, yeah, like, that's no, crazy but, to me. That you know,
1: but to talking. me, you know, to me, I'm all about jokes. Yeah. yeah. It's like how do Mexicans get a pizza? With Little scissors. You better
0: you better be careful, bro. This is gonna go on YouTube. They're gonna flag it and say no. But but you know, but
1: this is probably this is 80, early eighties. Okay. And so so this you know when all this transpired, we're we're now we're like eighty nine. Okay. And so I had a friend of mine who who was riding, and he was attending a, a church that had a, guy, a lot of guys that rode. So at that point, you know, you go through something like that and go, hey, you know what? I'm gonna you know dive back into my passion.
0: And so, so people who are listening who aren't, you know, up with the lingo, you're talking about guys who are riding motorcycles. Right, exactly.
1: Okay. And so wound up plugging into this, this church that had a, a motorcycle ministry. In and the 80s? No, this is, this is now, 80, yeah, 89. '89, 89, wow. you know, Around 1990. 1990. Yeah, okay. exactly. It, it was
0: 89. What is, it, what is a motorcycle ministry? Is it just guys who love the Lord getting together to ride bikes? Or? Yeah, to
1: ride bikes and, and, and to do ministry. And so got involved there for a bit. And I won't mention the name of the,
0: you know, the,
1: the church. Okay. Cult, but you know, that's a whole other story. Okay. And, and <laughs> so. Have time if you want to go there. I won't go into okay. it. I, I, okay. You know, I don't want to name names and tell stories. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyways, so, you know, so I was there probably for, for a year, year and a half. And so right in that transition of, of life, of being married, now I find myself alone with all this time. So this particular, you know, Church had homes, so I went to live in a home I, I lived out of a duffel bag for six months. What a fun time <sighs> It really was it was simple yeah. still I still had my job i 'd get up at you know four o 'clock in the morning, go to work, come back, and there was always something going on you know as far as you know doing ministry, being involved and, and so it, it it took care of the issue that I had, which was time hmm. and so i'd get involved, buy myself another bike doing ministry and so did, did that for for over a year and then you know down the road you, you realize things aren't quite as copacetic as you think they were yeah you know start to come to light things start to fall apart within the organization and so i had friends you know leave and so eventually you know i end up leaving also in and, and so in the in that interim these friends that had left had you know talked about starting a morale club I go hey cool here's what you need to do go talk to this person you know, because in in the culture, there's big dogs on the block. There's other organizations that exist and have existed for years. Yeah. That pretty much, I won't say control, but if you want to exist in the sandbox, you got to play with the players in the sandbox, and there's a protocol that takes place. Yeah. And so, so basically, so they they did that and and started. You know, basically, soldiers started soldiers for Jesus started, in 1990. Oh okay. Nineteen ninety. So then.
0: So you were part of soldiers from the very beginning.
1: I was. I've been there from the very beginning. I came in six months after it started. Okay. Yes. Okay. And so there were seven guys that started, and so you know back then it's like you know it was kind of a. It was interesting, you, you know, especially when you have single men trying to serve Jesus.
0: You yeah. Know, so. <laughs> On motorcycles. On motorcycles. Yeah.
1: But it, but it was a blast. You know, yeah. We we were serving the Lord. We were going to runs. So we were meeting other other people from other organizations, from other clubs. Yeah. And and basically, you 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 got a patch on your back as soldiers for Jesus. It's like you know, we're a Jesus freak. Yeah. You know, so you got guys, some guys that kind of embrace and kind of go, hey, that's cool. And other guys that go, well, hey, I serve Satan. It's like, well, hey, you can have to serve somebody. You yeah. serve Jesus.
0: Yeah. You know. Yeah. So so very early on, this, this I've always been curious about this. So. Okay, you're you're part of soldiers now. You're going on runs, and for people who don't know, when you go on a run, say to like Sturgis or something, how many guys are at the end of that rainbow?
1: Well, it, and there's local runs, there's local clubs here in, in the Southern California area. Yeah. Throughout you know throughout every state, there's local clubs. Yeah. So, so you know they they may have some events where uh, they're trying to raise money for something, or they're just having a party. And so so basically, we've info you know for lack of a better term, infiltrated. These organizations, and when I say infiltrate, we've been, we've made relationships. Yeah, we see these guys, you know, on a week in or a week out, you know, or you know, at events, and so you build relationships. So, you know, like you know, the run that you're talking about, is Sturgis, that's you know the biggest, you know, they, the second biggest one, one of the biggest one in the country. They tell the every first, you know first ten days of August in Sturgis, South Dakota. Yeah, and so that's something that we've been doing for the la- over the last twenty years, where we go out there, we set up, we have a chapter in Sturgis, we set up and just evangelize. Yeah, Let's give away Jesus.
0: So, give people an idea. You're you're at this event. You you got Soldiers for Jesus on your back. You're there because you're serving God and you want to influence people for Him. Exactly. So you're building relationships. What what kind of people are rolling up to a, a spot like Sturgis? I mean, these are these are hardened, sometimes difficult people, right?
1: They're no different than I was as a
0: kid. Yeah. You
1: know, they're they're men who have nurtured sin well. Interesting. that's who I was, an individual that had nurtured sin well. It's like by the time I gave my heart to the Lord, I've already broken all the commandments and probably made some of my own.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, that's sin. Yeah. So so these men, you know, and women, some have grown up in the church as Mm. kids. They've walked away. You know, sin is fun, the Word says. But only for a season. Yeah. Then it leads to death. Yeah. And so you so you're meeting men and women who hey, it's it's all about the party. It's all about the sin. It's all about the self gratification. Right. The momentary self gratification.
0: Yeah. So how do you how do you um how do you strike up a relationship, you know, with, with someone who wants nothing to do like you you mentioned a guy who tells you I got I got colors on my back I serve Satan. Right. How do you how do you strike up a relationship with a guy like that?
1: You have something in common, motorcycles. Yeah. Yeah. The ride. The destination. You know, the the adventure. Yeah. And, and you know, it just you know, I don't think you didn't want anything to do with me when you first saw me, but you know, we have a relationship. Yeah. You know So it just it's 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 organic. It, it comes it, it, it you know, it kind of works itself into a relationship. You know, I have relationships in, with organizations or with guys in other organizations that are that aren't serving the Lord right and that, that I that I could you know call them friends, yeah, you know it, it's funny, I got to guys that I work with that that you know aren't serving the Lord, and so I have those relationships, but to me there's there's three three types of people, those that are ministry, those that drain you, and those that that charge you hmm. you know, and so everybody's ministry, you know to me it's like you know i you know I was asked by a uh, by a chaplain in one of our chapters, he says, what, "What's your gift? What do you think your gift is?" And so, easy, the gift of encouragement. Hmm. You know, I, I, I love to encourage people. I love to speak into their lives. I love to just do life with people. Yeah, and say, "Hey, you're going to get through this. Let me, let me, let me show you how."
0: You know, that's I. It's it's cool that you you totally see that in yourself because I I think one of the things that blows me away about you is you know you're on the board here at church so you have some you know ministry status if you will but you got you're covered in tattoos you ride Harley's and you love old women you love eighty year old women they flock to you I see teenagers who just absolutely adore you it's it's so interesting to me that that is uh, when people know Jesus it's like the great you know explosion of walls, everything that people anticipate that is a difference between us is just gone right we uh we're serving serving jesus and it, and it brings
1: to mind he that's been forgiven much loves much yeah, you know, and I've been forgiven much
0: you can tell just how you say it that you you believe that with all your heart, yeah. That's awesome. Have you ever, um, you know, I, I feel like people kind of find their way to church in all sorts of different ways, but it seems to me like a lot of adults, uh, they find their way back to church in times of crisis. Um, so some of the common stories I hear is, you know, I had kids and I realized, man, I don't know what to do, and they come back to church. Or maybe someone close to them passes. And you ever have the experience where maybe somebody's super hardened and they, they don't want to know about Jesus, but somehow they got your name in their contacts, something bad happens and they have nowhere else. There's no one else in their relationship group that will know what to do. And so they, they call Pablo.
1: That's it. They, you know, you know, they call the the closest thing they knew, to, they know to God. Yeah. It's like, you know, you know, call the Jesus guy. <laughs> you're the Jesus guy. And it's like, you know, a guy from another organization, he lives out of state and you know, you're you're the God squad. You're my God squad,
0: you know? Yeah.
1: And that's it. You know, they, they call, it's like, hey, you know, my mother's dying. Yeah. You know, this this happened in life. Yeah. You know, and and basically you just begin to share because that's what they expect. Hmm. You're that conduit to, to God. Yeah. You're that conduit that's going to tell them the truth. Yeah. It's going to pray for them. Yeah. And, and that's something that, uh, hey, you know, I'm going to pray for you. It's like, right here? Yeah, right here. You know, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh Doing some of these events, where you're you're at a, an Easy Riders show, you have a booth set up that says "Soldiers for Jesus" or, or it usually it says "Jesus loves bikers too," <laughs> and so you're you're there and you're giving out you know whether it's tracks, stickers, shop towels and have the you know a logo that we imprint that says "Jesus loves bikers too," and people you know the, the, it's funny to watch people are walking by with their beards like. I can't believe they're here.
0: That catches their attention. Oh yeah,
1: you see, but the word—the word of God, you know—is just the name of Jesus. Yeah, sparks something in people. Whether you know, it's conviction,
0: you know, yeah,
1: or, or remembrance of uh, Jesus they served as a kid, as a, as a, as, you know.
0: Yeah, it sparks. You know, I think people are—they're um, taken aback to—to to know full well what kind of lifestyle they might be in, and think that someone who loves Jesus would come to them. You know. I was uh, thinking as you were talking, there's the, um, the, the story in Jonah. I, I don't know if you remember at the end, Jonah, you know, he, you know, it's like half heartedly walks into Nineveh, hey, you better turn or right. this going to happen. And then he goes and he, he kind of camps out up on the hillside. You remember that part? And he's literally like, God, blow him to smithereens. Give me a fireworks show. I want to see the place explode, right? And they all come to Jesus. And I think sometimes people have that idea of Christians, like, we're just withdrawn. If you want anything, you'll have to come to us. It's no surprise to me that it catches people's attention when they realize, whoa, a follower of Jesus would come to the middle of a, a biker rally and set up a tent? What on earth is this guy doing? It's almost like a curiosity. Right. Yeah.
1: And I, I think that a couple of different thoughts. You know, Individuals that, that uh, have nurtured sin well that, that eventually realize that they've been forgiven— realize that we're givers of hope hmm. that we've led all life and it's you know you want to call it a responsibility or a duty or it's you know a conviction yeah to try and share hope with others yeah and I think you know to me the sad part sometimes with with and I use this term loosely church with people within the church you forget where you came from you forgot what you've been given you've been forgiven for hmm and and, you, and and I don't want to say the whole church, but you know it's like the you know same thing with with waitresses. Who's the the worst tipping people? The
0: church people. Come on, church. Yeah, yeah. I've I've read like, that. Yeah. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so that's why me and my wife we go to the extreme. You know. Yeah. It's like, you know, you you go to the extreme. You know. To you know, as, as, because you're, you're you know, and to me it's like you know, I, I get made, made fun of because I've never met a stranger. There's not anybody that you know. People always teach me. It's like you know, we're on the road. Hey, we're gonna stop over here. We're gonna go to you know, the Cracker Barrel. It's like who do you know there? You know, because me, I I, I engage people. Yeah. Ask questions, and half the time before we're leaving, we're end up praying for the waitress because she's got a need. Yeah, you know, or we end up praying. You know, gas station, same thing. People see the name of Jesus, and you know, they inquire, and all of a sudden, you realize that you got them in tears because their life's some else. Yeah, you're giving them hope.
0: So, so I wanted to cover a couple things, but I it just dawned on me. uh, You know, I have a a story with soldiers that I I think some people have heard, but people might get a kick out of it. Uh, You were on your way to Sturgis once upon a time. What what town were we in again?
1: That was. um, Was it Beaver, Utah? uh, Cedar. Cedar, you know, it was Beaver. It was after Cedar City, Beaver, Utah,
0: yeah. Yeah, so so the the story is I'm sitting in the back seat, my wife is driving, I'm trying to get the 6-month-old baby to stop screaming. We're in the middle of nowhere. And Natalie looks in the rearview mirror and is like, "Oh my gosh, we're out here in what is it? On the 15, I-15? Somewhere way yeah, out it was there." The 15. Yeah, way out it was there in northern Utah, something like that. She tells me Oh my gosh, look, look, here comes a ton of bikers. And I'm thinking, who cares? I don't care. I'm trying to keep this baby crying. They blow by. And then about two minutes later, she goes, isn't Soldiers for Jesus what Pablo does? And I said, yeah, it is. Is that who just drove by? Yeah, that's Pablo's group. That's cool. They must have a chapter out here. And then we stopped for gas. And I looked down at my cell phone and you text me, hey, I'm pretty sure I just saw Natalie. (laughs) I said, that's impossible. We're in Beaver, Utah. I'm in Beaver, Utah, we just passed you in the middle of nowhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's kinda of funny. You're on the road, you got time and and you know, once you get out of California, riding's great because there's not a bunch of traffic and you're out in the middle of nowhere, you're enjoying it. and I remember it, it's going down the road and you know, you look at cars and go, oh, California place. Huh. All the stuff on top. Oh, the young lady. Huh. I wonder if she's going to college. <laughs> and that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And I go by I go, man, that looks like Natalie.
0: Uh, this is, there you are. You spotted yeah. spotted my wife driving
1: right, and we we pulled off the off ramp right after we passed you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beaver.
0: So that that kind of leads me to my next question because you were talking about soldiers, and that's we'll talk a little bit about that. That's a, an organization that you're still very much involved with. You're the the international president. So you've kind of told us uh, started. Would you say in 1990 yes. with seven guys? It's not seven guys anymore, is it, Papa? Tell, tell us a little bit about what you guys are up to and what Soldiers for Jesus does now. Well, we're
1: an international organization with uh, chapters here in America, across America and Canada, from the Mexican border all the way down to Panama, in every country in between, and then also Brazil. We're in South Africa. We're in, uh, in Europe and Belgium, working in the Netherlands, working into um, Germany and— actually, what's the other country? It's a small country. I can't— It'll come to me, but anyways, we we have chapters there, and and so basically yeah. the same thing. This, this whole subculture of of motorcycle clubs, yeah, is you know, even though it's worldwide, it's 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 very well. um I've been to Europe and and you know, talking to guys in other organizations, you know, so was, oh yeah, he lives down the street, yeah, so, you know, it, it's it's funny how just how small the world really is.
0: Does it does it just seem like because it seems like if you were a biker you know, like you were saying, nurturing your sin, you come to know Jesus, it seems like it, there's not a whole lot of options for you. If you've been living in a biker lifestyle and you're part of a club, like, where do you go now? But it seems like you've caught lightning in a bottle, like you can continue to be part of a motorcycle club, one that serves and follows Jesus. Is that kind of how you get a lot of the the folks who come into it?
1: Some, but but sometimes, you know, for the individual that's nurtured sin, that gives us heart to the Lord. You're better off, you know. There, you know. I've I've known a lot that have just got walked away from the lifestyle because it's such a draw.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just getting on a bike and being on a ride kind of brings back a lot of those right. addictions you know, and habits.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I got a good friend of mine that uh, that uh, you know basically you know got out, sold this bike, got you know got away from just he's just living life. Hm. You know because the temptation is just you know.
0: Yeah. So you find yourself right this very moment as the president of that not-seven-guy-organization, an international organization. How many chapters do you have total?
1: I think we're at
0: 43
1: here in America. I think we're at
0: 59, possibly more internationally. And how many members does that include?
1: Like I tell people, just enough to do God's work. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He says
1: we need more, he brings more.
0: Yeah. So one of the things I've always admired about you, and so when I found out that you were the president, it, it, didn't, it didn't move the needle for me. It just made sense to me. Is I feel like of all the people I know that follow Jesus, you are a super high accountability kind of guy. Rick SFJ. F will be fine. it will be a cool addition. If you guys <laughs> are wondering right. you're watching on YouTube, Pablo, is a, he's an international man of mystery. He gets lots of phone calls.
1: Right. <laughs> uh, I'm constantly on the phone, yes
0: you you I was saying you're you're a guy that strikes me as super high on accountability. Like you you strike me as someone who would be very irritated with someone who says, "Hey, I'm a follower of Jesus" and says that with their words and then with their actions does not live out that lifestyle. So when I think of an organization that needs somebody who's strong in accountability like, "Hey, if we're going to enter a world like this, we need to be lights for hope." What's what's kind of your you're gifting playing out in real time as the president of this organization. How do you see yourself as kind of leading it?
1: I'm no different than any other patch order that we have. Okay. I'm just a guy for the moment that God has called to lead. So I don't think myself uh, as myself as anything special. I'm just a guy that's responsible for a lot of, a lot of lives in their families. Yeah. And so it's, it's very humbling and in a sense, you know, uh, like I said, you know, we we have events. We have our own events. Hey, you know, and this is just me, you know. You know, we'll have an event with three hundred some odd people. You know, of soldiers, everybody eats before I do. Okay. You know, I'm I'm the guy trying. You know, helping with chairs. You know, it, I'm a servant. Yeah. You know, as Christ said, I came to serve, not to be served. Yeah. And, and that's been my my you know my thought from the very beginning that. I'm here to serve, Yeah, you know, and sometimes, you know, men come and they, they, you know, they're here for a while and then, you know, for whatever reason they choose to leave. And, and, and some, you know, I, I always tell people when you leave, I, I really pray that God's calling you into something else, another mm. place to serve. Yeah. But it doesn't always happen that way. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, it reminds me of my wife being asked, you know, by, by some women at a, at a gathering. You know, isn't it difficult being married to your husband when he's constantly gone and, and, and going? He says, "She says, but I know what he's doing. He's serving the Lord." Mm-hmm.
0: You know? Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and that's really, you know, you know, when I gave my heart to the Lord, it's like I realized, you know, that I was saved into
0: a life of service.
1: You know, yeah, you know, my life isn't my own. Yeah. If that makes any sense to you.
0: I mean, we've been chatting for like, I don't know, an hour. It's already incredible to me to begin to connect some of the dots in your own life. Like, did did you do you ever look back and think you're 20 years old and now you're here? What what an incredible work God has done in you.
1: No, he's not done yet. Yeah. He's yeah. not done. I'm not there yet. Yeah. I'm no it, no hey, you know, I don't kick the wife and yell at the dog anymore. You know, the other way around. Yeah. He's being silly. <laughs> Yeah. You know, but you know, hey, I still have my moments. I still have my moments where the flesh wears up and Sure. You know. Sure. Yeah.
0: So you're you're talking about your wife. I I know your wife. Uh your wife volunteers here and what I think is maybe one of the the most underappreciated things in the entire church, she's the one if someone submits a, a prayer request, she's the one who calls and says, "Somebody really actually prayed for you. Can I pray for you again?" Right. So I've had interactions with Marilyn. And um, I think now's a good time to set the record straight because there's like a whole mythology and folklore about you two getting together. I heard a story, I I don't know who told me this, that you wanted to test her because she told you that she, she liked to ride too. So I'll just tell you my version of the story. You tell me. You can poke holes in it. I heard that how this happened was you met her. You guys maybe were interested, maybe dating or whatever, and she told you that she liked to ride. And... What I heard was you said, oh, really, you think you like to ride. So you put her on the back of the bike, and without stopping, you just blew straight through the border right into Mexico just to make sure she, she was telling you the truth. So,
1: so I had known Marilyn for several years, gosh, probably five, six years before we even dated. Mm-hmm. And so you, know, right, you know, yeah, I won't share the long story, but anyways, so you know, I had gotten her number, and I called her, and she never answered, and I thought, oh, she'd you know, screen her and call so I never called her back, and, and so one of my brothers was at a church and ran into her and, and says, "Hey, some girl asked about you." I said, "Well, what was her name?" Uh, I don't remember. Was well, it was she pretty? She have long right Yeah, I kind of think so. So, anyways, after the whole, I, I called her again, and so she wanted to go for a ride. And I thought,
0: "Oh, here we go, another girl that wants to go for a ride." Girl trying to speak your language, right. to, yeah. And
1: so, so I, you know, I picked her up April first, you know, you know at nineteen eighty. I think it was a uh, what was it? Uh, gosh, 95, I think. Okay. And so picked her up, you know, took. I said, I'm taking a ride. So wound up at the Mexican border, went across into Rosarito, stopped, continued on to into Ensenada, and then came back. I think at that time we took a, a different route, came back through Tecate. By the time we got home, it was, you know, 270 miles. <laughs> you know, that night stopped at the Denny's at El Toro Highway in the 5 and, and picked her home.
0: She passed the test. She passed the test. She enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, That's great. So,
1: you know, come February, we'll be married 26 years, and so. Wow. uh, Wow. So, you know, even that. So we we began to date, and four months into it, it's like, okay, you're such old, I'm such old, and it's like, where are we going? Are are we working towards something? If, If not, then we're wasting our time. Right. So we started marriage counseling four months into it. Okay, but then the year we were married, yeah, and that was you know like I said going on twenty six years.
0: Yeah, yeah. Was there was there some pretty clear redemption in that story, knowing full well that you had been married, you had been divorced, and now you're you're kind of going through this again, but this time with someone who who really wants to serve the Lord with you.
1: Yes, and you know you know we've both had our you know our hiccups, and and so just I think the 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 beauty of it was that she knew ministry. Yeah. And she knew what ministry involved, and the fact that you know we had our our miscarriages and have never had kids, yeah you know and made it you know life is different you know it's like you know m- my kids are you know my family is 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 soldiers, yeah, you know, and they're scattered you know scattered around the, around the world,
0: yeah, you know. I'd, I'd imagine that part of your story is one that you know when people begin to really open up is one that actually speaks to maybe more people than lead on just wanting to have have kids and and feeling like that wasn't that wasn't in the cards for you
1: and that's it God's got a purpose God's got a plan yeah, and we can question but god's perfect plan
0: yeah. You know? It what, what it is. What would you say to a young person who's kind of going through that in the moment now that hasn't come out on the other side and felt like, you know what, God has a plan, somebody who's, who's struggling and really wants that to be their story and they're not sure it's going to happen, what would you say to them?
1: Trust in faith.
0: Hmm.
1: And, 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 and really believe that, that God does love you. God does you know, count the tears you've cried. Yeah. I think so, more time they're there in, sand in the sand and you know, grazing sand in the sea. Yeah, and that's how much God loves us, and He's going to see us go through whatever we go through, and, and the obedience comes the blessings. Yeah, you know, and, and the realization that sometimes you don't see it, but you can't touch it, you can't feel it, but it's there. Yeah, you know, and, and God is in control if you allow Him to be. Yeah, you know, it, it's when we give it up, but we take it back, and it's like you wonder why you keep going around the mountain to the same spot. Well, you keep taking it back. Mm -hmm. You know, there's nothing in life that, you know, there's some stuff in in, in my life that I've, you know, I went through as as a young man, as a kid, that, you know, could easily define who I am. But through Christ, I've had victory. Through Christ, there's been healing. Yeah. That's through Christ. Yeah. Not, you know, not me, you know, reading a a self-help book. Not me, you know, and, and I don't have nothing against counseling, but, you know, sometimes you do, you do need to go counseling to try and figure it out.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: a Christian counselor.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: they can lead you through Scripture and say, hey, here's what God's promises says.
0: Hmm. You know? Yeah.
1: And so, you know, hold on and keep trusting God. You know, it's like, you know, you know I tell people that the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian, when life happens— the christian knows where to run you run towards christ
0: i like that yeah hold
1: on the non christian hey i'm, I'm going to go get a 12 pack hmm. we'll get a bag of weed yeah we'll go find some girl to you know have a good time with numb it out you know? exactly yeah but you know at the end of the day the pain's still there yeah the disappointment the the struggle yeah you
0: know? I, I like what you said you know there's there's faith there's trust and there's also an element of i don't get it but just hang on yeah, yeah. I think that's the the beauty of what we do at church. You know, there's so many people who are in a phase of life where they're they're just hanging on and they don't know what's going to come. I can't imagine being in that phase of life, whether it's with a marriage or with a child or whatever, and have nobody like minded to talk to about it. I, I feel like that would be devastating. It's one of the beautiful things right. we get to do as, as followers community. of Jesus.
1: That's right. You got community. Yeah. You got like minded people that deal. That know what, you know, they know where to run. Yeah. You know, and that's the beauty about community is that they come around you. They encourage, they support. Yeah. They hold your arms up when you can't hold your arms up.
0: I heard somebody uh, say a while back that um, we're people who know where the well is. And when Mm -hmm. people get thirsty, our job is just to point to them that the well is over there. That's where you can get a a drink. Um, So you recently retired, right? In the last year? Yep. So. Is uh, retirement life treating you?
1: Good. Oh, life is good. Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm I'm blessed individual, and I still wake up sometimes going, "Jeez, I don't have to go to work. <laughs> you know, I'm getting a paycheck, and you know, I ain't got time to do this." Well, you're
0: taking good care of yourself. You're in the gym, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You
1: know, I need to probably shed, you know, the the five pounds that I've gained the last year. But you know, food is is fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It tastes delicious. Yeah. You know what I, I think? I think it's something that I think maybe goes uh brushed under the rug a bit i think um one thing i admire about you is you take good care of yourself you know i think sometimes people think oh christianity is all this faith-based kind of you know values and judgments that we learn from the bible but god gave us a body you know i i gotta tell you honestly i i've had times where i'm like man I admire Pablo. Pablo is—you know—you're not—you're not a young spring chicken, Pablo, but you're in the gym, you're lifting weights, you're staying in good shape. I—I I admire that about you. I think young people need to—to to see that part of your life too. Well,
1: it's about quality of life, and, and that's—you know—when I retired, I thought I still got a quality of life left. You know, I, and something my old man used to say when I was—you know—when he was alive, he'd say, "There's more time than there is life." Yeah. You know, and it's más tiempo que vida, and so that's—that's. That's, always been my mindset, and, and that's why, you know, when it comes to going and doing, it's like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know, I, you know I'm, I'm blessed that I get to travel internationally, and, and I enjoy it, you know. I, I enjoy going to Europe, and, you know, the little kids say, Papa, Papa. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so where do, you, where do you kind of see yourself uh, heading? You, you, you made mention that the reason you got involved in Soldiers in the First Place is you had kind of this vacuum of time you were trying to fill. Now you got a new, new chunk of time. Phil, where do you where do you kind of see like God's calling you? It's full. Okay.
1: You know, so so basically now when I when I do travel, and I travel out of state or you know out of country, and to go connect with other soldiers or other or uh, other happenings that we got going on, where we gather our our soldier you know chapters together and speak life into them, and, and just as we set vision in place. Yeah. I don't have to fly out on a on a Thursday evening to fly back on a Sunday to go back to work on Monday. Okay. You know, so now I you know
0: you get more intentional get, time to really pour more into
1: intentional time, and it just really, you know, to me, it, it, you do life with people, and and, and you know, sometimes it's, it's, you know, four or five days with with somebody with a family. Yeah. It's it's awesome, and to me, it, you know, you have an extended family. Yeah. I, I got a, one of our guys, Chuck. He's in Florida. He broke his neck in the ring wrestling. Back early nineties, and I, I knew of him before I, I, I met him. Okay, and so now he's, you know, he's he's gotten older. It's been thirty years, and and life is is different. So Chuck went from riding a, a a motorcycle with you know with hand crutches or being able to walk. He was never supposed to walk with hand crutches to now. You know he, he rides a trike, and and as in you know, the last year, it's like he can do all he can to transfer from bed to wheelchair to you know you know cat themselves and just do life. Yeah. And so so, you know, I I, you know, I, I make it to Florida, I, I go hang with him for, for four days and, and we just sit. You know, as he as he lays in bed, I just sit next to his bed and we just visit. Yeah. And just, you know, tell stories and reminisce and, and you know and, and do life with a with a brother. Yeah. And so, you know, I have more time to, to just be intentional about just you know loving on people, yeah, doing ministry, encouraging yeah, you know
0: that's that's amazing, so
1: you know I don't always have to you know r- you know race back within a weekend, yeah,
0: just to so hit back to work yeah
1: I, and so I was, I was just in to mexico, <coughs> a week and a half ago, and same thing got to do five days down there and, and spend time with the brothers and and then afterwards spend you know spend a couple of days with you know the leadership there,
0: yeah, you
1: know. So then I'm, I'm getting ready to head to Costa Rica, and I do the same thing there. It's like you know, there's a couple of families there. They're part of the club that you know that I just really consider you know like my own you know kids and grandkids. And, and just you
0: were t- you were telling me you let the cat out of the bag that you intentionally make extra trips to Costa Rica because it's your favorite. Did I say that? Pretty much, <laughs> pretty much you said that you love it down there.
1: Oh, it's it's a fun place to visit. Yeah, and, and you know you know they're again you know doing doing life with families. And just, you know, having that time to just, you know, charge your batteries. Hmm. And then also Alejandro, the uh, he's my Latin America president who oversees all Latin America. So we get to work on, on, on soldier stuff and, and just deal with other countries. And so this trip that I'm going down to Seoul, which is my Mexican national president who oversees all of Mexico, we'll be down there and we're, you know, working on stuff and just, you know, sitting vision in place and just, you know. Wow. Yeah.
0: Man, we, we need to do this again just to hear some of these stories. I can't imagine traveling the world and meeting up with people who love Jesus, love motorcycles, and some of the time you get to spend you know, with
1: and, you know, the funny part is that ministry is different in Latin American countries because of just the, the reverence for things of the Lord. Hmm. America, you know, Europe is, is, you know, is, dark, is dark. America, you know, you, know, it, it's had, you know, it's still, there's some reverence, but not quite as much as there is in Latin America. Right.
0: Do you feel like that's sort of like we kind of started the story off with you saying, you know, even at a young age where you were just getting dragged to Catholic church that there was something built into right. you is it is it have a lot to do with that you think? Definitely, most definitely. Yeah. Like you don't joke about you don't joke about that. No matter where you fall in Latin America, you don't joke about. No. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, I I don't I don't want to keep us a, a ton of time longer i'm cognizant of your your time but i i I just wanted to tell you a couple things as we wrap up i i think um i know full well that you're a super busy guy and i marvel at how present that you're able to be I, i love that it seems to me like you're a guy who you just say no to stuff unless you intend on being all in on it so i uh i felt like man i'm gonna pin pablo down this is honestly it i was like you know i'm gonna ask him to come on the podcast Full well knowing He'll probably say no a few times, and then I'll will get him into it. So when you said right, said yes right off the bat, I was I was ecstatic. But you know, as we're chatting, Pablo, I, I feel like my my heart is full and overflowing. I feel like uh, as a young pastor, you know, I'm 33. I feel like so much of what you learn about pastoring, I went to a lot of school. I you know did a lot of study, but a lot of what you learn is about people. I feel like in that way, you are a role model of mine. I really admire you. I really appreciate you taking the time and and coming out. And, um, you know, we'll put a little link at the bottom of the YouTube video. If people see this from, you know, wherever they find YouTube and are interested about what you do, we'll put a little link for for soldiers in there. But uh, any any final words that you want to say, encouragement to people who might listen or or thoughts that you might have? The one
1: thing that I guess I would say... Is that if you're a believer and you're you know, doing ministry, you're encouraging, you're you know, listen. Hmm. So many times people don't listen, you know, and, and that I think that's one of my 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 key things that I do is I listen to people. I remember stories. I remember the, you know the things they tell me, hmm. and it, you know. If you if you listen, you you'll hear people's pain. You'll hear their heart. You'll hear their struggle, and God will give you the insight to speak into. You know, I was just in, in, in Tennessee, and uh, ran into a young lady. There was a, an event going where all these people were dressed in pink, and had gone to lunch with Samantha. And so I remember you know, walk out, going, "What the heck is that about?" And it's a store. And so I, you know, we're you know we're leaving, walking by the parking lot, and I see this this you know young lady dressed in pink, pink hat, pink boots, and I go, hey, so what's going on? Well, it was a grand opening to a, this particular store that there in in uh, in Nashville, outside of Nashville, and so I just begin to talk to her, and and she says, well, I'm from La Harbra. I go, really, La Harbor? It's like, and so she's a young lady. So I'm thinking, you know, her dad must be pretty close. To What's your dad's name? She tells me, and Lord just, just kind of spoke to me, and, and the way she said it, I said, "So is he incarcerated?" She says, "No, but he's been in in and out of jail, and people, you know, know my name, and they, you know, they, you know, basically, yeah, you know, think of my father, and you know, God just gave me some words to encourage her, just to say, hey, you know, who you are is who you are, not who your dad is." You you make your own path and you will set your own your own future, you know, by you being you. Hmm. And and to me it's just about listening to people. Yeah. Just listening and you hear their pain, you hear their struggle.
0: Yeah.
1: And and God will give you you know, I tell people that, you know, we're all people of influence. You know, every day, by word, by touch, by deed, we influence people. Yeah. And it's either a positive or a negative. Mm-mm. We're people of influence. Yeah.
0: Well, we're, we're sure are grateful that you uh, call Bridge Community Church home. I think um, one of the things that we're already seeing with just one episode that's out is uh, you might get mobbed by people. I think uh, I think people are going to be really encouraged by you. And I, I feel like, uh, you know, it's a conversation starter when people feel like, well, I know a little bit more about Pablo. So uh, thank you so much for taking the time and doing this. I, uh, I can't wait to see what people's reaction are. And I, I think more than anything, they're going to be encouraged in the Lord because of you. So. I'm grateful for you, you
1: know. So we we've been here probably fifteen years, I think now. Okay. And so we were at a church up in, in Walnut, and so you know felt God calling us to our community. So whenever I was gone, Marilyn would go around and, and check out churches. Yeah. And she said, "There's this one church, and we'd check out other churches out in the area." And so I remember when I walked in through the front door. You know, being mobbed by the the greeting community, the, the old ladies, and, and and because my wife constantly tells me you're a scary looking individual, I go, I'm the nicest guy you'll ever meet. Just ask me, honey. You
0: know, but <laughs> both you know, can be true at the same time, Pablo. <laughs> but,
1: but just you know, the reception from the ladies. Yeah. You know, and 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 hugging on you, run, you're running the gauntlet, and you're not being beaten, and it's like it was it was awesome. And, and so you know, to me, it's like I tell people, it's so I, to me, it's very important when people show up to. To bridge, it's like, hey, how are you? You know, welcome.
0: Yeah, you know,
1: to greet them and make them feel welcome because you know, it's it's about their lives yeah. that we're here to minister to.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's an open invitation. If if you're watching or listening online, um, come introduce yourself to Pablo. He's a great guy, and um, I, I think everyone experiences that you really are an encourager. So, so thanks again, Pablo. Uh, we'll sign off, and maybe we can keep chatting a little bit off air. But cool. appreciate having you. Thank you for having me. All right, thanks for listening, everyone.